Fuckers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 70. Speak and Destroy is a podcast featuring interviews about Metallica, and I am your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Armored Saint vocalist and former Anthrax frontman John Bush, who talks about turning down an invitation to sing for Metallica, touring with Metallica and Wasp back in the day, the Sound of White Noise record, my favorite Anthrax album, balancing life, family, and career, singing with Metallica at the band's 30th anniversary shows, and the possibility of a solo tour doing material from his era fronting Anthrax. This is part of a trio of episodes about Armored Saint, which began with episode 69, featuring Armored Saint, the movie director, Russell Charrington, continues with this episode with John, and will conclude with an episode featuring John's bandmate, Armored Saint bassist Joey Vera. A big way you can help Speak and Destroy is to go into Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and write a nice review. Like this one from Psycho Stickler, which says, Deep info from a real Metallica head. Downey explores all the little trails and overgrown pathways that Metallica lifers will love. Interviews with the dudes who you'll recognize from 80s liner notes and songwriting credits. Just a rad, knowledgeable trip through all the nooks and crannies that others wouldn't even consider. Thanks, Psycho Stickler. Leave me one of those. I'll read it. Like, I'll I'll actually read it. And then I might even read it on an episode like I just did. You can find more about Speak and Destroy at speakanddestroy.com. Follow Speak and Destroy on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. Speaking of Destroy is part of the Pop Curse Podcast Network, which also includes the show Pop Curse, Musicians Talking Movies, and No Prize from God, which features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. So here it is, my conversation with John Bush of Armored Saint. This is Speak and Destroy. <laughs> I just interviewed Russell Charrington, speaking of the movie, uh, for yeah. the Speaking of the Story podcast uh, just oh, cool. like a week or so ago. Uh, and a reoccurring theme throughout the story of Armored Saint, as as he tells it, and as his film will tell it, is the brotherhood within the band. And this idea that while a lot of bands go through lineup changes, and certainly every band has their ups and downs, you guys never abandoned each other. You never abandoned the saint. Uh, what would you attribute that to? maybe that was within that band that isn't in other bands? Um, well, some crazy mafia-type uh, blood oath or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, the, the beginning of the, the friendships uh, developed when we were probably about eight or nine years old. That's when I think, I think Joey and Gonzo were in a class in the third grade, and then I met Joey and Gonzo in the fourth grade. I think that's how it went. It was a long time ago, so I can't remember the exact timeline. But um, and then obviously, God's own fellow brothers. But um, 
Yeah, I think that's when the friendship began and uh, it lasted throughout. Um, and I transferred high schools. Um, I was, we all grew up in this little enclave of East LA called El Sereno, which is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's in Northeast LA, if you will. It's adjacent to Alhambra and South Pasadena. Like it's really the last LA uh, city city um, that if you're heading east. So if you're going to like Palm Springs off the 10 freeway, you would go past it. And, um, and so it's, it's, and then, and then it borders those other cities. Um, and then it also like borders England, uh, Lincoln Heights and Highland Park, which are all part of East LA as well. Highland Park is a super trendy area these days. Um, and so is Boyle Heights where my dad grew up actually. Uh, that's a little further south, but um, in any case, um, we all lived in that area. We grew up there and went to high, uh, elementary school, junior high, high school. And then, and then at some point in high school, I decided I was going to transfer schools. Me and this other guy, um, his name is Zeno Franco, who gets no credit for any of the <laughs> history of Armored Saint and the friendships, which is a little sad for Zeno. But, um, but him and I, we just said, you know, what? we're we're, we're changing, we're changing schools. We're, we're transferring schools. We're we're going we're we're going to leave here. And we're going we're going to just pursue something else. Everyone's like, why? And, so we did, and we transferred on our junior high to South Pass. We had we got fake addresses, not fake, but we got addresses from people yeah. that allowed us to do it, which everyone does now. Oh yeah, everyone and, does uh, now. Yeah, yeah, and we were way ahead of our time. This is you know 1980. <laughs> so, um, so and then um, and the cool thing about doing that is um, by going to South Pass, which is really just the next city over, but El Sereno is kind of a lower middle income neighborhood, predominantly Latino, maybe 85 percent maybe give or take depending um even though i was a white guy and um and then we went to south pass which is like more of like a middle affluent uh, neighborhood um and again it was right on the border and the, the point of this was that that's when i went to when i transferred schools that's when i met dave and then dave was like the the, the piece of the puzzle that kind of happened and and really in all actuality so much of our friendships and relationships that people went on to meet other people that were there. like one of my best friends and his wife met through this and another uh, other bands formed through this mm -hmm. it really was it really was that step to meeting dave and to going to south pass that bridged these two communities together and really i'm not trying to give myself all the pat on the back but it really was me and zeno that did it because otherwise some paths would cross because pasadena was kind of a happening area for rock and roll and mm -hmm. heavy metal but it just wouldn't have worked in this way. It just wouldn't have. It just it would have worked in some capacity. Would we? Would any of us have met Dave? Maybe you know. But it just it, it, this is how it developed. And even yeah. though Gonzo and Phil and Dave actually got together first in Gonzo and Phil's garage to jam, and I was kind of I was kind of like I don't know. I was being flaky about it to be honest. Um, eventually, I came around, and they were like, "You have a PA. You you sing. Don't you want to do this?" And I was like, "Okay." And um, I don't know, I maybe had slight apprehensions. Who knows? I have, you know, that's a whole nother ball of wax. But um, in any case, that's the, the, the relationship developing. It was the other piece of the puzzle of Armored Saint. Um, and then, you know, Dave, and then, and then eventually we got Joey in the band. And that was obviously very important because um, Joey was actually playing with this other guy called Greg Leon, who was a, kind of the mainstay in the, in the rock scene in, in L.A. for a while in the late 70s. He was in a band called Sweet 19, who Tommy Lee was a drummer. It's all very incestuous. Um, 
Um, so in any case, then he came in and then, you know, Armored Saint happened, developed from that. And um, I think that, you know, we've always just felt this connection probably due to that youth relationship that developed, um, which at this point I waved the flag and say that's one of the coolest aspects of this band. It's really mm -hmm. the same guys. And then you bring in Jeff Duncan, which Jeff came in around 1988 because when we, we realized we needed another second guitar player because it wasn't working anymore because Phil was already out of the band in the mid-80s. And then um, and then we were four-piece for a while, which is kind of weird. It really wasn't right, um, but that's what we did. And then we said, let's get another guitarist. And then we got Jeff. And then Jeff joined in 88. But we played shows with Odin in like 1983, and that was Jeff's band. Mm -hmm. So we have a relationship that goes back even to that with Jeff. So even though Jeff, we make the joke all the time that Jeff's the new guy, you know, <laughs> came in is like 32 yeah. years ago, right, or something. Um, so it's the cool thing is, I'm sorry, I went long winded about no, this like, at times, but um, the cool thing about it is that it's just the same guys, you know, other than Dave, who unfortunately lost his life. Um, you know, it really is just the same people. You know, it was a one period of time, a guy named Alan Barlam, who used to be in the band Hellion, was in the band for about six months. It was actually when Dave was really ill and, mm. and as Dave died. Um, and then we just, you know, he was the nicest of guys, but we just didn't feel it with Alan. And we felt like we had to regroup and be a family. And that's when we brought Phil and Jeff back. And because uh, Jeff kind of went out of the band for a bit and, you know, he was a little disgruntled, and and then we we're like, if we're gonna do this, let's put it back together and make it a family as as what we really are. And then that's when we had Simple Salvation, and we had all those songs, and then we got Brian Slagle back, and he's he's part of the family. Mm -hmm. and, like it's very family oriented, and um, and that's the cool thing about it. So sink or swim, you know, it's the same guys, and um, I don't know. You know, it's not like it's a love fest. Hey, we love each other all sure. the time. You know, I mean, come on. You know, we've had knockdown, drag out fights. You know, we've had certain different opinions um, about how to proceed with the band, um, different perspectives. I mean, we're humans. So, how would you not? For having, I mean, literally, we're going on fifty-year relationship here. Yeah, which is insane. <laughs> which so, is amazing. Yeah, we're only fifty-seven. I mean, <laughs> you know, I got that old. But, you know, it's just a, it's just that connection. And, and I think that's what's cool about it. It's not Joey Vera and these two hot shots and a guy who used to be in like, uh, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. Laz Rocket or John Bush and these guys. And, you know, he took up from a band and, you know, and then he's formed a band. And this is Armored Saint. We're trying to convince the public, hey, it's really Armored Saint. Yeah, it's just it's, it's and, the same. And there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I, I would say another important aspect here is that, you know, traditionally, in bands, rock and metal bands, especially in my experience, you know, people start bands when they're teenagers and they're ready to conquer the world and eat top ramen and sleep on floors ah. and that whole thing. And, and then there's inevitably this, this point, it seems like it happens in, you know, late twenties, early thirties, you know, where priorities change and people start getting married and have mortgages and, and, and arrive in a place where it can't be all or nothing anymore. And I think that that's the moment where you, they either abandon music entirely and they're like, I'm not going to be a band guy anymore, or they figure out some way to compartmentalize and to share some space and to have all these things that are important to them coexist. And I think that uh, John Bush to me is like a, a model for that, the way that you've been able to 
integrate all these different things into your life and not just be, oh, it's the guy from Armored Saiyan or, oh, it's the guy from Anthrax, but that you, you know, you've been able to have a family and do other things in your career and yet still come back and make records with Armored Saiyan. I think that that's a beacon of sorts to maybe some guys who are listening who are in a band right now who are 30 and just got married and <laughs> are thinking about uh, giving it all up. You know, it doesn't have to be well, all or nothing, right? Right, right. Well, there's two things I'll connect with that. Number one is we used to laugh all the time when I was in Anthrax. Scott would hear somebody would say something like, I used to listen to you guys. And he'd be like, very insulted by like, well, what does that mean? What you can't, like once you get to a certain age, you can't listen to hard rock or heavy metal anymore. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I used to listen to you, but I hit 35 and, you know, that's the quota. And that's, you know, no longer can I listen to hard rock and metal. I have to go into the soft rock category. <laughs> you know, it's a, he would get really pissed and we'd laugh about it. Um, the other thing is, I say, is I'm very fortunate in my life to have opportunities that provide me to be able to do this, which not everybody does. Like, yeah. I have a wife who is a really supportive person who established a business who I'm very involved in her business now, too. Um, I'll be going to work with her later and, and helping her. She's a casting director, and um, but she does good and, and builds up a family business that we're all part of. That's our kind of little thing. And um, it's awesome. And it's it also provides me the opportunity to do that. So I, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have that, you know, I mean, I'll be blunt here. Uh, I mean, because I'm sometimes brutally honest, whether I should be or not, <laughs> but I'm like the ultimate kind of poverty rock star, because like, in some worlds, like we've been getting press with this album, and it's been pretty awesome and stellar. And like, a lot of accolades about my singing. And, and I mean, it's really humbling and, and really gratifying at the same time, because I think I am a great rock singer and I think I, you know, I think I've really come in my own and I'm really proud of myself, but like my bank account doesn't say that. And it's, right. so it's like, I, I, I live this world, which is kind of funny. It's like, you would think I'm this really successful financial guy and I'm just not, you know, and luckily I, I've done well over the years and, you know, again, my family does well and we've done, we've worked our ass off in our own per particular world and life. And um, I did some voiceovers that was financially successful. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing fine. And obviously in, in anthrax, whatever, but, um, you know, it's just funny. Like I always make the joke when we do an in-store or something and people will bring everything I've done, you know, like the hardcore fans of my career. And I just laugh going, I mean, you would think I would be a multimillionaire with all this. <laughs> look at all these records and yeah. DVDs, and and you know, it's just it, that's the that's kind of the that's the funny part of the music business that you know it doesn't really kind of work like that, unfortunately, yeah. or it does, and you know, and some people, it's a real feast for famine kind of world in this business. You know, it's hard to make a living uh, as a musician in, in a hard rock metal band unless you're really willing to like tour nine months out of the year or. Um, you know, do those do those kind of things, and yeah. and I really haven't been because I have kids, and I and I want to just be gone from them. My whole uh, upbringing, their whole upbringing. So, um, luckily, most of the guys, you know, me and Joey are pretty aligned with our heads. Uh, Phil has two kids; uh, they're very different in ages, but um, and Gonzo and Jeff don't. But you know, I think that you know if you sat everybody down, everybody would have a different perspective of how they'd like to pursue the band. But we've, we've kind of agreed for the most part with what everyone's um, lives are. And I think mm -hmm. luckily, um, you know, cause I'm usually the guy going, 
you know, no, I'm not going on the road for a month. I'm not doing it, you know, but it's funny because I do love touring and I do love playing and I love it. And, uh, and I love traveling. Like it's been, you know, I always make the joke that it was my college education because I never went to college. So that was, you know, at 20 years old, man, we were 21. We were touring with Quiet Rat playing arenas and we're mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, um, that was it, you know. So it was amazing. We were very fortunate. And, um, but I, you know, it's, it's a way of making it work with the life that we have now. And um, it's not always easy. And um, I, I wish I could clone myself and that one guy could go on the road. The other guy can stay home and make pasta for my son at 1045 AM. But uh, you know, we, we make it work. And, you know, I think the thing about saying too, is that when we do play and when we go out, we're, we're not a band that, tra- you know, tours everybody's city six months, every six months. When we play, it's like, we're here, you know, please come. Yes. You don't know when it will be again. Yes. And, um, and there's something cool about that. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's worked for um, other bands that have, that have been able to maintain in, in a similar fashion. You know, they say good managers, right? 50% of management is managing expectations. And I think once you realize like, this is how it's, it can, you know, you define success on your own terms, right? And and yeah, I think that that's well, we, yeah. Well, we were just funny. Me and Joey just had a conversation because really he's the manager of the band. He wears mm-hmm. many hats, and I know it's uh, trying for him a lot because he he's a controlling guy. Which I, I say that in the most endearing ways. He is kind of a controlling person, control freak to some degree, which we need it. A, a band um, boss, as I like to say. What's that? A band boss. That's my phrase. Band for boss. It. He yeah. is a band boss. Yeah. He is, and um, and and he he does it very well diplomatically. But I know it frustrates him at times, and he's like, "Why am I dealing with this crap?" But we had a conversation recently about getting a manager because I'm like, I just I don't want him to have to do the grunt work, and that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to, like looking for hotels. And I'm always, dude, tell me what you can do, what I can do, and I will help you. And um, but then again, he's a little controlling. So he's like, "Well, I just booked it." And I'm like, "Well, I could have booked the Holiday Inn Express." I mean, in, you know, in Tulsa, like I could, I could do that. You know, I, I, could, do, I could do it. I mean, I, I, I think I could handle that. Um, and he has to be like, I just did it. But, um, and but I think that uh, for him, it's it, we we t- had that talk. Like, should we get a manager? And then we were, and it was funny because we had a deep conversation about it and um, and about how. Well, what what do we really want them to do? And, and right. what are we going to give them the fifteen percent of that? for when we know that that 15% in all our pockets is pretty important. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea is that, the idea is that they can make it where that 15% is more than you would have had without them. That's the idea, right. but exactly. that doesn't necessarily exactly. always work that way. Exactly. That's the key. And that was, then we ended up the conversation. We kind of, we just ended it. We we're like, okay, for now we'll just wait again. Um, but, and the funny thing is again, hear me being blunt, but I have to be honest in all my years of being in a band, and t- I'm, not, I'm not trying to disrespect people I worked with through the years, because I worked with a lot of really cool managers and people who were very successful, um, you know, and I want them to not like hear about this and go, what a dick. And, you know, <laughs> but the reality is, I don't know, I never really had a manager, even in my years of Anthrax. And believe me, we went through a period of time where we had a, a manager almost every year, mm-hmm. um, which was not really a good thing. But um where I was just like, I, I, I don't really feel like it ever like did anything to just like elevate my career, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there, there's there's sorry, organization yeah. and administration and things that can be helpful, but I think it has to be the right 
kind of partnership. It has to be almost like another band member and not just somebody who's like, here's my invoice. You know, exactly. I answered some emails for you. I forwarded you some emails. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. And look, look, so much of it is, is timing and everything. Mm -hmm. That's so much about life where, um, you know, I mean, there, there was a cool article somebody just wrote for this magazine in, in Britain called Rock Candy. It's a really cool, uh, like, kind of concentrates on classic rock metal bands. The thing about Rock Candy magazine is that, like, they did this article on why Armored Saint, you know, how come they didn't make it? You know, what, it was it was a very enduring uh, article for sure. And it was big and long and I had some rad old photos and stuff and, and new photos as well. But, you know, the kind of premise of the magazine is like, what happened? Why didn't they make it? This band, they were really cool and blah, blah, blah. And um, and I think that in the end, you know, it, it was it was one of those things where it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Like, I don't I would like to say I know you know, I'd have give you reason A, B, C, D, and E as to why it didn't happen. And, and that, that would probably be very legitimate as to why that didn't happen. But in the end, you know, it's just life sometimes. The, the alignment, I mean, you, I've, I've seen you quoted before, you know, when people say, oh, don't you feel like you missed the boat when you, you turned down Metallica? And it's like, that's, um, there's so many, you know, the butterfly fly effect, right? And the way planets align and all of that, like there's no guarantee that that would have turned out the way that you know the way that we think it might have and it's it's the same I you know I have a friend who was in a band with Zach De La Roca all the way up until Rage Against the Machine and I think he spent some years of his life uh, I don't want to speak for him too much but he had a period there where it was like I could have been the guitar player in Rage Against the Machine and it's like yeah but then that's not the same band because then it's you in the band and maybe it would have right. turned out just as well. And maybe it would have not turned out at all. And you know, things just, you, like you said, you can get a piece of paper and write down, well, maybe this, maybe this, and maybe this, and that stuff could be valid, but things just are the way they are. They happen the way they happen, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I was definitely, that was not my destiny to be the singer of Metallica. And I mean, I would have literally changed to heavy metal, you know, and, and yeah. if you, it, cause I was not meant to be that person. And that was meant to be James with his voice doing mm -hmm. that. And, um, and, you know, sure. Could it have been some form of success? And yeah, probably would have been because they were destined for something, but it would have been different. And to what degree, who knows? And, um, and it, I never really think about it. Of course, you know, it's always it gets brought, brought up attention yeah. after every record is released, <laughs> you know, and I, I just have to laugh and go, well, you know, <laughs> here we go again. Let me talk about it. But it kind of seems to fit well with just my life in, in some weird Well, way. and that incestuousness, like you mentioned, of this person was in that band and this guy was in that band. And, you know, obviously those are friends and touring mates. It's a good association to have. Uh, but, I would, I, but I would say in, in terms of, of changing the course of metal also, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. You can I'm on, I'm on the record. You can find me in other places in the both written and, and recorded. Sound of White Noise is my absolute favorite Anthrax album, and I love Anthrax. And it's no disrespect to any other record or any other lineup. That's the record for me. We've come for you all is is up there for me. Um, I've gotten to be buddies with Rob Caggiano over the years. I loved him in the band. Uh, and yeah, if you had if you had joined Metallica, I wouldn't have Sound of White Noise, and that would yeah. Start. And Sound of White Noise is, is this record that keeps being, being brought up all the time. And um, it was a great album, you know, for sure. It, it was, it was, 
when I say sometimes the stars don't align, well, the stars did align with that record, you know? So yeah. um, it's not only been this kind of like, well, none of that. Like, I mean, I'm really proud of some of the things I've done. And I think I've done some really amazing stuff Absolutely. in both my bands. Um, that was, you know, was where the bullseye was hit perfectly, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if everything if on those, on like Symbol Salvation or, or, uh, you know, on Sound of White Noise is flawless, but then I'm, you know, a little bit hard critic for myself mostly. But, um, but you know, I would say in general, those are pretty amazing records Absolutely. in retrospect, you know, and Absolutely. as far as hard rock and metal goes. And, um, you know, hopefully punching this guy is, it, it seems to get that kind of feeling right now. It's, it's too early the, to tell, of course. The, but, the buzz, um, as they say, is, is, is high. It seems like I'm yeah. hearing, you know, in my little community of, of, of uh, you know, 40 something metal nerds. <laughs> Everyone's loving the record. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's your dream audience, but <laughs> yeah, well, no, it is. But here we it are. Is. It is actually because that's who like I would love to be the spokes guy for the 40 year old um, <laughs> community. I mean, I would be an honor, you know, honestly. I've gotten to talk to uh, Animal from Anti Nowhere League. And Brian Tatler from Diamond Head have both been on the podcast, and we talked about the Metallica anniversary shows. So my, my first question to you about that is, did you get the iPad? Did I get the iPad? Yeah, both of those guys checked into their hotel room, and there was a gift basket with an iPad in it. And the, the iPad had the lyrics to the, to the <laughs> or the parts to the songs they were doing. Wow, I don't remember that at all. Ever getting an iPad? You should you should, no, you should hit them up. I do not tell, tell, tell them they owe you an iPad with the uh, Four Horsemen on it. <laughs> That's weird. I have to ask my wife, but I think we would know that. I do not remember getting an iPad um, with the lyrics. I yeah, know. I got dogged. You got dogged. Oh. Maybe, 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 they, maybe, maybe they believed in my ability to to know the to the song well enough, so they figured yeah. out he got he's got it. And you know what, and, or maybe like a lot of fans, they just assumed that you must, you know, you must be doing so well. You've got iPads, and, you know, <laughs> under every cushion of every couch, and you know, maybe right. they figured Animal no. and, and <laughs> Brian funny. Tyler. No, I, one. I don't remember getting an iPad, and I feel like I would definitely have remembered that. So, I'm going to have to ask every um, guest now, and if it turns out it's like nine of them and not you, then then there's a problem. But wow, then I'm going to have to personally two. call Lars and go, dude, where's my iPad? <laughs> Do we have a couple minutes to talk about sure, the, sure, the, sure. the Wasp Metallica Armored Saint tour? Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that's always a fun one. That was actually the, you know, I was a teenager uh, when that tour happened. I where, were, where were you living? Uh, Indiana. I was in Indianapolis. Okay. And oh, that, okay, that tour came through at the place Egyptian called the... Egyptian Theater? Uh, actually, before the Egyptian Theater, it was a place called the Sherwood, which isn't oh, around wow. anymore. The Egyptian's still there. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was that was the first time I heard of Armored Saint or Metallica. Was I, I wow. knew people who were going to that show, and so you uh, knew Wasp. I knew of Wasp. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, what do you remember about that tour? I know when I was talking to to your documentarian the other day, he mentioned how you know Wasp was the headliner, but when that tour rolled around to California, Armored Saint was a big enough deal in California that the bill changed. Like you guys closed well, those shows. Is that no, what happened was, uh, I think Wasp Metallica, the theory was that they were going to flip. And um, uh, maybe like halfway through they were going to flip it, or I don't remember if it was, I don't think it was like every other show, because that's, I just don't remember that. But I feel like in the in the beginning, Wasp 
this part I may be getting wrong, but somebody, I, I feel like, I feel like Wasp was last on the East Coast, and um, following Metallica at that point. No disrespect to Wasp at all because they were a great live band and really entertaining and fun. Sure, but just following Metallica is just I would not advise to anyone. <laughs> you know, it's just not a good place to go. And so it was, and that was the case for them. I mean, we came out and we did our thing and we were, you know, the, the newer band or not newer band, but we were the, you know, the, the less popular of the three, of course, at that time. And then, you know, and then Metallica was, was, you know, just firing at that point on all cylinders and, and they just, they were, they were amazing. And then Wasp had to come on after both those bands, including, you know, Metallica. And I just think it was a difficult place. So at some point, I think they flipped it and then Metallica ended up going last, which was probably the wiser choice. Um, when we got to like Texas, Wasp w dropped off the bill. I don't mm. remember why. Um, I really don't recall uh, uh, the, the details as to why they know they didn't play, but they didn't play like well, the well, last. Blackie went blind in Texas, so maybe that was why. Uh, blind in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. Um, I don't, I don't remember it being a negative thing per se. Maybe they got another tour. I don't remember. Um, but I'd say the last, like Texas into the West Coast, like New Mexico, you know, California, even up to Portland and Seattle, um, they didn't play those dates. Um, so probably about 10 shows, um, I guess. And um, and then it was just us and Metallica. And when we played L.A., that because we were from L.A., we mm -hmm. played the Hollywood Palladium, and that was probably the biggest, one of the biggest, if not the biggest show of the tour, um, We they, the theory was, and we both had Q Prime management, you know, Cliff Bernstein and Peter Manchin, the theory was, okay, we're going we're gonna to let Metallica go on first, and you guys are going to go on last. Really bad idea. <laughs> Very bad idea. Um, because, you know, again, then we were following Metallica. Yeah, and um, and they just, they just they they killed us. And the irony of it all is that there was an article that was written, and there was a couple article writers that were on the road uh, from Kerrang magazine at that time. Mm -hmm. Xavier Russell, maybe another person, and um, they came out for like a couple shows. And um, and the first one was San Diego. Then that was the day before the Palladium show. And um, and that show was sick. It was crazy. The the barricade broke. Um, at, when we were performing and we like tore it up and they were like, what the hell? Like Armored Saint, like, of course they knew of Armored Saint and they came out for the, the, the tour. Um, but they were pretty blown away by like, oh my God, Armored Saint, like was maybe the best band tonight. Like mm -hmm. they were incredible. And the crowd went nuts. And then the following night was the Palladium. And, that's when the flip was. <laughs> and then they went, oh yeah. Okay. Oh no, this is right. No, no. Of course it's Metallica. That's the bigger <laughs> band. Yes. Now, and they were just like, and then they kind of gave us a look of like, not shame, but more of like sorrow of like, I'm sorry that you guys had to follow them tonight because that was pretty rough for you. <laughs> um, and we still did well, but it, it just, it, you know, we should have stayed opening really, quite frankly. Well, in fairness to the Saint, I believe the last band to follow Metallica was the Rolling Stones. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's well, the last time they opened for somebody. <laughs> I wonder if. If we really well no because they went out actually they used they did the tour with Ozzy obviously yeah oh yeah 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 but I but but yeah I think but Guns and Roses I think was maybe the last last and then they did a couple shows right. in San Francisco like in the early two thousands with uh, yeah I mean Stones. I I you know I didn't see any of those GNR Metallica shows but I always wondered how are they following those guys that must be really hard I mean granted they're Guns and Roses so they're yeah they're legendary in themselves and they're in a different stratosphere and their their vibe is was different than Metallica's, but equally as massive. But um, in any case, you know, not a, not an easy band to, to follow, of course. But yeah. um, there, there was a great run. It was a lot of fun. And, 
Um, we have a lot, you know, cool memories of just goofing around, drinking a lot. Um, we were all super young. We were like 21 years old. Um, it was our second run because we did the Quiet Riot Whitesnake tour before that. And then that was the follow-up tour. We finally got a bus because the first tour we were just in cars. Mm. Um, and that was nice to have a bus. And, um, you know, we were just bonding. Uh, you know, it was Cliff Burton. And, um, you know, it was uh, Ride the Lightning album. And, and Wasp was great, too. You know, Chris Holmes would come and he would kind of <laughs> complain about, you know, his relationship where he was, you know, he would kind of grumble about it, you know, his relationship maybe with Blackie and um, whatever, but he was, he was cool. And we knew Chris from, from the days in the club circuit here in, in, in LA. And, yeah. Um, and, well, they're, and, they're, they're like, they're like a Mick and Keith or a, uh, you know, a, a James yeah. and Lars or, you know, some of those duos where it's like, they're always associated together. So it's like for better yeah. or ill, you know, I'm always going to think of Blackie and Chris Holmes and it's like, yeah. of, of course they were. It was a troubled marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's, and there's plenty of those. But, you know, yeah, they, yeah you know, they, they were a great band, too. And um, that first album was awesome. And you yeah. know, Armored Saint actually opened for Wasp a few times in the uh, Troubadour and, and probably the Country Club here in L.A. And it always had great gigs. And, um, yeah, you know, so it was, it was to this day, people still talk about that Metallica Wasp Armored Saint tour. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a, it's kind of a legendary tour. And. It was fun. And then even once they left, it was still awesome Metallica and, um, and we did great shows and had, you know, just fun times and, um, you know, learned a lot. And, and, and then they went on to make master and then, and then even on master, we did like a handful of shows with them when they were touring with Ozzy mm -hmm. because they, uh, I think Ozzy got sick or something happened. So they did like a handful of headline dates. And we also did the, um, Iowa jam, which was a, Kind of a, a kind of fairly legendary show back in nineteen. Yeah. It was eighty six uh -huh. um, with Ted Nugent and Aerosmith and Dawkins, and Gosh, that was really cool. What a lineup! So yeah, it was great. And so um, you know, fun times. I mean, we you know the the connection with Metallica with Armored Saint is is a really cool one because it probably just because it started back then and mm -hmm. connected. And a yeah, lot of and a lot of the same people behind the scenes, even like you said, Brian Slagle and and Q Prime at the time, and uh, you know a lot of shared associations that that persist. You know, uh, that, yeah. Zach uh, Harmon, Zach Metallica stole Zach Harmon from us. You know, he was our he was our, our first. He was just the drum tech, then he became the drum tech uh, tour manager, and um, he just, Zach grew up in South Pasadena. Another connection to me transferring schools to meet Dave and that's when we met Zach. <laughs> See, that's so, your, that's um, your inciting incident. As, as they say in the movie storytelling world, it <laughs> was that move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's so, the start of the Zach's story. Awesome. You know, and I'm glad he's done so well in his life. And um, he's just always been a nice, nice person and deserves it. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, it's, it's the connection there that probably was cemented in those early stages. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, eh, Everybody, people love nostalgia. You know, we, it, it, there's something about looking back and going, ah, oh, and I always make the joke, like even with Sane and, and, and sometimes our, you know, we get together in the rehearsal room and, and write songs, get stoned and drink and, and write our early uh, songs and think that we were the most amazing band and, um, and the most productive band. And I look back and laugh and go, well, I don't know how productive it really was, but you know, I think, but it's nostalgic and that's, what's, yeah. what's cool about it. So time, place and circumstance. I mean, that's also why I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day about, uh, sometimes when bands re-record classic albums, 
and, and you know, sometimes it's for publishing or there's like some business reason, but, uh, right. but it's really for the band because the band knows how much better it can sound and they know how much better they sound live, but the fans are always going to have nostalgia for that original crappy recording with all of its flaws. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, oh, that's, yeah right. that's just... I don't, I don't like doing them. I don't, I don't, I don't like re recording all that records. People have asked that. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. That's what, how it was. I'll play it live and it'll sound cool like exactly. that live, but, but I'm not going in and trying to reproduce, uh, you know, March of the scene. I'm not doing that. Right. No, you know, as much as I think we could probably do it better. It's just not, it what would I be for do. you for in the band. Right. You'd be like, we love this new, which is cool. But yeah. Uh, and, and, th and that leads me to kind of the last thing, which I, I know you've talked about this before pre pandemic. Uh, but I am uh, among your fans who would love to see, some kind of tour where you did Armored Saint stuff, you did your Anthrax era stuff. Is that in the cards, even as a maybe a live stream or putting um, something together like that? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I've entertained it. I think it's just a matter of, to be quite honest, just get enough of a, of a response to make it worth it. Um, uh, when we I, I talked about it with my the guy who's our booking agent, Dan DeVito, who works for mm -hmm. TKO, and um, and, and this is something he proposed like several years ago. And I go, well, snoop around. And, and I don't think we really got the response that maybe we were looking for, um, to justify it. And maybe the timing wasn't right. Um, so, um, we just put it, you know, put it away. And, uh, you know, I, it would be fun to do something like that because I do love those records. I think that, you know, certainly I could do a headline set of, of those four studio recordings and, and you know, break out you know, key songs from it. Mm -hmm. It would be a, it would be a legit headline set if not for sure an opening like festival set or something. So, um, I think it's something that I, I, it's in my mind of wanting yeah. to do, but, um, you know, I don't know. And then Scott said something recently where a lot of people were talking about where he proposed, you know, possibly doing a tour where he not only brought me in, but they brought like Neil Turbin in wow. uh, again. But I, what I've said is that, you know, that's something that, that Joey Belladonna should be, the person that really supports that because Joey's, you know, it's his, he's the singer of Anthrax, you know, he's the guy in the band and, and, you know, he should feel comfortable because there's probably been plenty of times where he hasn't. And, sure. and, and, you know, cause there was times when I had it and, um, you know, it's that like, Oh no, you know, I'm uncomfortable. Is this, is this something I want to do? If he supported that, you know, then I think, okay, that could be a really fun, thing to do and you know do it kind of briefly you know i don't i yeah. wouldn't go out on the road not as a permanent for, thing yeah exactly yeah so, I, you know and and you know we've talked about pasadena obviously a bit as it relates to you and of course we lost the great eddie van halen of pasadena and that brings to mind you know there are a few you know acdc iron maiden anthrax van halen there's a few bands you can name that really pulled off that successful singer switch and i think right. we were all holding out hope for some kind of DLR, Sammy, Michael Anthony, Super Tour that you know we're not that we're not going to get now. So um, right, it, it, you know those are those are moments. I know even Glenn Danzig when when David Bowie passed away, he said that was the thing that got him after years and years of saying never to the Misfits. That was when he was like, oh wait, like <laughs> we're not going to be here forever. Like maybe you know maybe I should think about right. doing this. Um, right, exactly. So exactly. yeah, it, it was it not was to, not to put a morbid spin on it, but. But yeah, I think it would, uh, you know, there'd be a lot of love for, for any, any kind of scenario that, I mean, you know, I got to see you sing some of those songs with Metal Allegiance in Anaheim yeah. and it's just, yeah, yeah. That was I fun. mean, it's 
magical. So yeah, really cool. I know. And uh, I was grateful that those guys did that and, and, and had a lot of fun playing those shows with those guys because they're really talented players. And, yeah. um, you know, they're, it was just it was always fun to do that. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, unfortunately, I am 57 years old. And, and, and it was funny because I, I always look at it. There's a certain urgency with everything because yeah. um, the reality of time, um, even though I feel great and I, you know, I have a nursing uh, uh a kidney stone right now but other it's not too bad but other than that like i really actually feel great for my age and my voice yeah and my energy level but you know i'm also like a realist so you know if something like that if you know it's it's something you need to really kind of think about doing and you, you don't have the luxury to say ah, i could do that 10 years from now right i don't know i don't right. think that's really reality so um who knows? We'll see. Um, I mean, I think all of us just would like to play one show at this point. <laughs> any show, any band, any lineup. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Anything. I don't care. I mean, my wife is like really good. At, she's like always searching like because we want we want to go to shows, too. And like she's like, oh, we could go see this. And I was like, who is it? What is it? <laughs> you yeah. know, some dude playing harmonica at like some picnic table. And I don't know. It's pretty <laughs> funny, but. Um, you know, and then it. It was like, I think Dan, our agent said, we, uh, we talked about like maybe just holding dates for Armour Saints just because, you know, you don't want to miss out if, if literally we can do it, you need to be ready to yeah. do it because otherwise it's just going to be a windfall of everybody wanting to play. Um, but I think you said, Hey, you know, I think they're still doing shows in Florida I and mean, you could actually <sighs> like, um, go there and do some dates, which is like, that's, of course it's comedy. Um, because <laughs> really? I mean, they're really doing shows there, but, but maybe they are, but. Um, uh, hey, and this is, this is going to be an ultimate dad joke. We're both dads. Talk yeah, about, right. talk about spreading the disease. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It maybe it's time to do that record in its entirety. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think that at some point, of course, we just want to, be able to perform like anybody and everybody and, and go to shows yeah. and, and hopefully that will happen and get soon. to do some of these awesome new armored saint songs live so yeah because we did the, the live dream. stream and we rehearsed them we were like wow these songs kind of killer and then we did the one show and that was it so um you know we do want to you know you make a new record you're really excited and you want to play those songs live and um you know hopefully hopefully soon for everybody indeed Indeed. Well, John, thank you so much. I'll let you get to it. I'm really, really appreciative of your time today. And um, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that I haven't interviewed you before now, but I suppose this was well, our time of the planet. Thanks so. for a great interview. You did great. And I appreciate that, Ryan, <laughs> so much. And, and thanks for letting me be part of this. This is, I know, a very cool, very cool uh, thing that you're doing here. Oh, absolutely. I'm grateful to be part of it. And, um, you know, absolutely. Uh, you've, you've been on the wish list since I started it. So um, I'm glad, I, glad we were able to make it happen. And, and yeah, it's funny. We're talking about metal allegiance. All each one of those guys has been on and, um, great. yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, just I, I'm hanging out, talking with my friends about metal bands and Metallica in particular all the time. So I figured why not make it something productive? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. And tell Go those ahead. guys to said hello. It, Indeed. And, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll see you around. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye.